I'm Jeff Jones, Director of Executive Education and Professional Development at UNC Charlotte, and this is Charlotte Business Buzz, connecting the Queen City's business community from UNC Charlotte's Belt College of Business. This is Charlotte Business Buzz. Earlier this year, three Charlotte business leaders announced the creation of a unique investment firm, one to support and elevate minority-owned businesses in the region. With the backing from three Charlotte business titans, Ernst & Young managing partner Malcolm Coley, former Bank of America CEO Hugh McCall, and Duke Energy executive Lloyd Yates, they've acquired two such companies to their portfolio. Empowering these with financial and social capital, the firm hopes to give a leg up to black and brown businesses in the region. Joining us to discuss is Lori Spratley and James Mitchell, Jr. Mrs. Spratley is the newly named COO for Bright Hope Capital. She has more than 25 years experience as a corporate executive, most recently as an executive director at J.P. Morgan Chase. Mr. Mitchell is the new president of R.J. Leeper Construction, which was recently acquired by Bright Hope. He was Charlotte's longest serving city council member, retiring in January after 20 years of service to the city. James and Lori, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Well, I'm glad you're here. Let's start with uh, you, James. As uh, one of Charlotte's biggest supporters over the years, what makes Charlotte great for business? Jeff, thank you for the opportunity and for that question. So I do think it's like three categories. I think the first category is our entire business climate. We work very well with our General Assembly and our governor in Raleigh. And so a lot of times we pursue corporations. We have the state support. I think secondly, when you look at where everybody's relocating from, from New York, Chicago, California, our tax structure is very favorable for business relocating. And third is the talent. When you think about all the universities and community colleges we have in the state of North Carolina, people come here because they see the talent is here. Let me give you an interesting statistic. Prior to COVID, we had 110, 110 people relocating to Charlotte per day. Just amazing. And so now we're the 14th largest city. There's estimation that by 2024, we will be over 1 million people in the Charlotte city limits and then 1.4 county-wise. That's amazing growth. It really is. I mean, and but, but you, and you think about the weather on the personal side and the professional sports. There are amenities that we, as I remember being on city council, how we kind of underestimated. One was professional sports, being close to two hours for the beach and, and two hours to the mountains. Everyone kind of really liked Charlotte. And, and so for us, it was like, how do we sell the total package and make sure people continue to move here? We do, we're the third fastest city for us millennials. And so not only do we have the senior citizens who stayed here and made a career, now we're seeing the influx of those under 30 to say, you know what? Charlotte has a special buzz and we want to relocate to Charlotte. And then fintech, you look at the announcement we had the other day, a lot of fintech jobs are relocating to Charlotte, which bringing that younger talent to our city. How would you describe uh, this business client for minorities in Charlotte? Now, that's a different story. I would say this probably you think, think of uh, businesses, African-American business and, and brown uh, businesses. There's still a desire for access to capital. Uh, there's desire access to opportunities, and there's tremendous desires that the public sector has to play a bigger role. Here's a prime example, Jeff. Healthcare-wise, Atrium has said they want 40% minority participation in all their projects. That's the type of initiative we need to have from the private sector. I think on the public se sector, the county and the city, they do a good job for inclusiveness. They have minority and Hispanic-owned business participate in city-county projects. But it's on the private side that we need our corporation to be more committed to inclusion. 
And so we still have a long way to go. Uh, you know, I championed hard for my 20 years on city council about minority participation. How do we create the businesses? But at the same time, how do we make sure they have access to the opportunities? And so I still think when you look at all great uh, cities that embrace minority participation, the DCs, the Atlanta, uh, the Chicago, it's a different narrative because I think everyone has bought into the clear vision that if our city was going to grow, minority participation has to grow as well. From your perspective, what are the most significant business challenges that uh, Black and Hispanic-owned companies faced? Access to capital is number one. They, they really like the ability to get from bonding to funding to grow their company, to hire more talent. And all that has to do with funding and access to capital. Uh, secondly, I would say they back in office support. A lot of the small minority businesses work in their business. And so a lot of the accounts receivable and accounts payable uh, go kind of lacking. I would tell you, Jeff, if you did a survey, most of the, the black and brown companies cannot afford any accounts receivables over in 45 days. And we have in the climate right now, they don't get paid to 90 and 120. That really messes up the cash flow and put them in, in, a, in a tough position. I cannot pursue another job because I don't have the funds to, to do an RFQ, RFP. I cannot pursue another job because I don't have the funds to go out and bring that talent. And, and I do know black and brown will hire more who look like them, which definitely helps us. Charlotte still has a big challenge that 50 for 50. If you were born in poverty, you would stay in poverty. I see the minority businesses addressing that type of issue. So I guess this might be where uh, Bright Hope Capital steps in. Ah, so, my heroes. <laughs> Lori, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Bright Hope Capital? Yes, Jeff. First, I would like to say thank you for having both James and I here today. When we think about Bright Hope Capital, Bright Hope Capital was found by three prominent leaders here in the Charlotte community, Mr. Hema Call, Malcolm Coley, and Lloyd Yates. The prominent men determined that we needed to create an investment fund to go out and to assist African-Americans, Blacks, and Latinos, Browns within the overall Charlotte market um, from a financial standpoint. So when you think of the challenges that, that James alluded to earlier, how do you think Bright Hope is going to be able to help and support with capital and other support that might be available through the organization? Just to piggyback on what James had kind of mentioned, when he indicated from a receivable standpoint, we have minority owners where they're receiving receivables of net 45 or net 60. One of the things that we're looking at from a bright hope capital standpoint, not only providing financial capital, but also social capital. When we talk about the social capitals, that's meanings that the owner's picking up the phone and calling some of your top private companies and saying, this is a smaller minority owned company. From a cash flow standpoint, they should be looking at more of a net 30 or maybe even a net 15 um, from a receivable. So we're working alongside with those minority owned businesses as well as those customers to determine in this particular case, this particular customer needs more so of a net 15, net 30. So we're helping them from a receivable standpoint. In addition, we're providing education for them. Oftentimes we know when we look at stats that minority companies fail within their first or three years. And that um, failure is often due to not having a fully understanding of when it comes to running an overall business. One of the key things is running a business, understanding your profit and losses, your P&L. Um, so from that, we're educating them how to actually 
create their financial statements, their balance sheets, their P&L. In addition, how do they compile that financial information when they're going to their bankers looking to obtain lines of credits? Also, when we think about how do we continue to bridge the gap from a minority companies within the Charlotte community, from a social capital. So for example, they're working on company X and we know they have that certain expertise where company B is looking for that expertise too. So how do we connect the minority contractors with that particular customer that they can provide that service. So it's not only it's financial capital that we're providing, we're also providing that overall social capital. Are there other criteria on how you've chosen businesses for acquisition or investment? So when we're looking at the business, we're looking at them more so from stability. How have they been stable? And then we go in and go do our overall due diligence to determine uh, whether or not if we can come in and scale those particular companies up. So going back to your previous questions, are we looking at a particular industry? No, we're looking at all industries. We're looking at where we can come in and scale that company up from where they've been. Um, in the past, maybe they've had cash flows. They haven't had the cash flows in order to purchase more products or to go out and do work on larger in this case, we own a construction company from a construction standpoint and a hauling. Um, so we're looking at those particular entities and say, how can we come in and scale those entities up? James, your new role with RJ Leaper. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about the company. You were the first acquisition of Bright Hope. And I'm also curious about RJ as a mentor. So I'm going to try not to get emotional on the second one, okay? On the first one, I'll be able to. So RJ Leaper has been around for 28 years in the city of Charlotte. I uh, founded by Ron Leaper, who served on city council from 1980 to 1988. And the story goes, as Mr. Leaper was stepping down, he got a phone call from Hugh McCall. And Hugh McCall said, Ron, come up to my office. He said, you've been good for this community, for the city of Charlotte. What would you like to do next? And Ron, at that particular time, told Hugh, said, Hugh, there's not a minority-owned company that's a general contract in the city of Charlotte. And Hugh said, well, we can change that. And Ron said, we should. So three weeks went by, and Mr. McCall called Ron again and said, Ron, you know that issue we had uh, earlier? talked about no minority contractor. I got an idea. And Mr. Leaper said, I'm all ears. He said, uh, I just called F.N. Thompson and F.N. Thompson is going to hire you and teach you how to have the first minority owned general contract in the city of Charlotte. Mr. Leaper said, you know, Hugh, I was addressing a problem. It didn't have to be me. And Hugh said, I have no one better who's committed to minority contractor and, and making a difference in this community than you. And so it, it formed in 1993. Mr. Leaper worked at F.N. Thompson about four years. And so during that time, Hugh McCall was so committed, he paid half of the salary. F.N. Thompson paid half and Hugh McCall paid the other half. So after four years, uh, Mr. Leaper said, I'm time for me to go out on my own. And uh, that's when uh, R.J. Leaper was founded. And guess who gave Ron his first project? Mr. McCall. He gave him the transportation center. So the transportation center right there in front of Spectrum was the first contract uh, that Mr. McCall and R.J. Leaper did together. On the personal side, this was kind of a little emotion for me. Uh, Mr. Leaper has been a mentor for me for a long period of time, Jeff. I met him back in 1985. I had just moved back, no, 1989. I just moved back from Ohio and I turned on the TV and here was this African-American with a big Afro at a press conference talking about starting an organization called Save the Seed. It was African-American men, spiritual men, 
who he wanted to mentor young men who the Sheldon Mecklenburg school system had said were high risk and was about to drop out. Mr. Lieber at that time believed that we can save our kids, we will save our future. And so I joined Save the Sea back in 1989. Uh, about 1995, Mr. Lieber talked to me about running for public office. And I told him I didn't want to be a crook. I thought our elected officials were crooks at the time. So I said, Mr. Leeper, that's not me. I said, I'm offended. You asked me about being an elected official. And, you know, he kind of nicely said, James, if we don't have good people like you who serve this community with their heart, we're going to continue to have those crooks serving our community. And so it was very humbling. And I went away and I thought about it. But how do you say no to a man who served this community for eight years? who's poured his soul into making Charlotte a better community. And uh, so I say yes. And Jeff, for the next two years, we met once a month about integrity, about ethics, about, you know, don't spray yourself too thin, just about different topics to prepare me to serve this public. In 1999, I was fortunate. Of course, he handed up my fundraiser and I was elected city council. Fast forward in 2013, Mr. Leaper and I had a conversation about you need to get in construction. Uh, at the time, uh, I was doing solar panels. And so 2013, I, I got hired by Bart Milo to be uh, business development, stayed there four years and went to JE Dunn. And then about four years ago, Mr. Leeper called me about uh, one day uh, working for RJ Leeper. And uh, I said, wow, you know, mentor, that would be great to continue your legacy that you had started. And so January 4th, with the help of Bright Hope Capital, it, it was one of the proudest moments in my life to take on a legacy from a man who poured so much into me. So Lori and, and James, how do you expect that the two of you will work together as, as you sort of move forward in this new venture? Well, I, I think the biggest advantage for Bright Hope Capital for me was uh, the access to capital. I mean, Laurie touched on it, Jeff. A lot of African-American businesses, just not fortunate. And so I'm blessed and honored that I have a group like Bright Hope Capital to say, uh, we're going to invest in you. We're going to allow you to bring in the top talent. And a lot of, a lot of times, uh, we, we don't have the flexibility to go get the talent and wait for the projects to come. You get the projects first, and then you scramble trying to find the talent. I think secondly, uh, it has helped me uh, raise the branding RJ Leaper. I, I tell my HR director, you know, we got a lot of swag now. So we got the face mask, we got socks, we got ribbon. Uh, and a lot of that, Jeff, is about branding. How can we raise our branding uh, to another level? And thirdly, Laura touched on it, uh, social capital. It's good to have people who can pick up the phone and when you have an issue, they can make a phone call and it kind of helps you. So, you know, th there's a lot of pressure on delivering, uh, both from my mentor, Ron Leeper, and from Bright Hope Capital. But every day I come into the office, I I'm excited because, you know, this is something I've been waiting to do for about four years now is here. Uh, every day is a good day for me. I'll piggyback on a lot of those um, that James has said. The biggest thing for me, I've spent 25 years in the financial service industry. And so when I can sit down with individual minority owned companies and just kind of walk them through their financial statements for them to understand it from a cost accounting standpoint, the biggest thing is, are you really making revenues? How do you know you make revenues? And so for me to be able to bring in that expertise from what I've been doing for the last um, 25 years and to assist them to have a fully understanding of their overall P&L and taking a step back and say, you know, where are some changes we need to make and what are some of the questions that we should be asking? How do we go through negotiating um, from whether or not it's supplies that we're getting? And so from that standpoint, it's afforded me an opportunity to look back over my 25 years within the financial service experience and say, 
who tell my parents, I put that degree to work uh, from that accounting degree. And so just being able to work alongside with the three prominent owners of Bright Hope Capital, as well as with James, um, and just to be able to give back in the overall um, Charlotte community. Hey, hey Jeff, I, I will add one follow-up. Now, everyone has not embraced us. Uh, uh, usually, uh, minority participation is just to check a box. And so with Bright Hope Capital uh, Assistant, well, we've been able to bring bonding to a lot of the projects. And so when you're brain bonding, not only are you putting skin in the game, but that allows you to bring resources to the table. And just as much, it's important for me to develop my staff. And I can only develop my staff if they're given an opportunity to work on projects. And so uh, initially in December, when we started talking about we're going to bond at a minimum of 30%, you had some people in the construction industry who was like, whoa, that's too much. We used to give you 10%. And, and so... Uh, having that social capital, though, helped me out tremendously when I had my board members then will make calls and talk about this is the new RJ Leaper company. It, we will embrace more. So I do think where we are now, hope will set the model for other minority companies to really be at the table, be at the table about your staff and employees and growing your business, not just doing a project, build relationships. And the last thing I'll add there, Jeff, is when James talks about the social capital, when you're looking at the three prominent owners here of the fund, they can pick up the phone and call any CEO in the world. And so when you think about from a social capital standpoint, that brings an added advantage to Bright Hope Capital. We'll be right back with James and Lori in just a moment on Charlotte Business Buzz. 50 years ago, UNC Charlotte launched the first graduate program in the region for working professionals. Today, this nationally ranked part-time MBA continues to drive business in Charlotte and beyond. Whether you're just starting out in the business world or contemplating your next step in an established career, the UNC Charlotte MBA is designed to meet your individual needs and goals. Learn more at mba.uncc.edu. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with RJ Leeper, CEO, James Mitchell, and COO of Bright Hope Capital, Lori Spratley. All right, James, you recently ended a 20-year career on the Charlotte City Council. Uh, as a council member, you were known for advocating for economic development and for supporting minority-owned businesses. How do you see yourself continuing in the private sector? First of all, uh, Jeff, if I may, let me thank your listeners who uh, who allowed me to serve this city for 20 years. It, it was a great honor. Never did I think I was going to be a, a public servant. I started off as a little skinny basketball player at West Charlotte and, and never thought anything about uh, serving our community. So thank you to your citizens who allowed me to serve. So I think there's three areas I want to continue in just my passion. I think number one is uh, make sure I hire African-Americans to be a part of RJ Leaper. And that's even starting off and being uh, committed at the college level. We have probably two of the best engineering programs in North Carolina and North Carolina A&T. They develop and graduate uh, more African-American project engineers. And secondly, a lot of people don't realize is UNC Charlotte. UNC Charlotte has a great college of engineer program. They rank one and two when it comes to African-American. So first of all, it's hiring more African-American. Then secondly, I'm proud to say, Jeff, R.J. Leeper has a highly respected workforce development initiative. And so we're going to take the challenge of the 50 of 50, the Chatty study that came out, 
And you look at those numbers, statistically, they, they do look like they are African-Americans who don't have the opportunity to move out of poverty. So what R.J. Leeper does on our project, Jeff, particularly the convention center and the airport, we hire those who are underemployed and who are underemployed. There is a difference. And so we're starting them off, putting them through training. And, and Jeff, I can tell you on the convention center, our goal was 21. We have hired 37. On the airport, our goal was 40, and we've hired 57. So if you stop for a minute and realize how we impact a total of maybe 84 people who were not, were not working, didn't have a skill set, and now they make an average of $17.10. I mean, that is my way of saying I got to continue to help people and myself. And then thirdly, Jeff, I got to make sure I'm part of organizations. And so we joined the Metrolina Minority Contract Association. We joined United North Carolina Contractors of, of NC. And so I want to continue to be that voice to push to say, uh, if you have an opportunity, let's hire talented African-Americans. If you have an opportunity, let's put them to work. If you have an opportunity, this is what I share with my wife, if they can see you, they can be you. And so I'm trying to make sure I raise a profile by being very involved in African-American professional organization so they can see me and one day say, I want to be a president of a minority-owned company. The COVID pandemic uh, continues to have a significant impact on all businesses in the region. How do you see these kinds of investments helping black and brown businesses survive and thrive going forward? I do think the PPP has been very helpful to black and brown businesses. They keep their doors open and there will be another wave of federal dollars funding that will be coming. But Jeff, here's what the big disconnect is. We have to market a program. And so black and brown businesses are aware of it. So many times our companies and organizations are not aware of funding, not aware of the criteria. And one thing we did differently with the Foundation Carolina, we put it in Spanish. We used the local YMCA. So we went to the people to help them instead of having the people come to us. And I'll just add there, Jeff, when we think about the fund, one of the things that we've done is when we look at our minority business owners within the community, one of the things oftentimes when they have borrowing capacities, they're borrowing capacities at a higher interest rate. So one of the things we've done, we've taken a step back and say, let us look at your overall debt. And what is that overall interest rate that you're paying? Throughout social capital has afforded those business owners to actually be able to renegotiate and for us to go back and redefine what those applicable interest rates are. So, for example, you may run in cases where someone's paying 25 percent on a loan that they may have $50,000. And when you start thinking about all that interest that they are paying on before they even touch the principal. So we've been afforded now throughout social capital just to sit down with those individuals and have them go and talk to the bankers and say, hey, they've been paying. Um, they haven't missed any payments. Um, they're showing a proven track history here with their payment. So let us just take a step back and say, from a social capital standpoint, how can we sit, assist those individuals when it comes to their overall debt? So let's shift to the, the future of Charlotte for a sec. And when we think about Charlotte heading into the, the next couple of decades, how do you see Bright Hope Capital, RJ Leaper, other efforts that you're involved in shaping the region as we head into towards 2040? So let, let me give you from an R.J. Leaper perspective. So this is 2021. We're talking 2040. R.J. Leaper will be in a new headquarters, a new corporate headquarters. R.J. Leaper would have 
probably by then 150 employees. We would be probably around a $200 million construction company. Our workforce development program would be well known. And by then, we would have been hired probably by 2,000 people and put them to work and give them the self-esteem back, they scale back, and really address that 50 out of 50. We have a mentee-protege program. We currently now, we have seven people involved, Jeff. We're trying to groom them and develop them. By 2040, we probably would have 100 companies we would have had developed. I mean, I think our mission is very clear, Jeff, what we want to do. But it's not about us alone. It's about reaching back and bringing others along with us. And so uh, I remember my, my first board meeting, I had the board back in January. I said, when we become a billionaire, I want to create millionaires. And so we want to make sure that the community sees us as that ray of hope. It's that model of success. Is that company that gives back, just don't take profit, but investing in people. And so I think 2040, when you and I lower in our rocking chairs enjoying life, we're going to say, man, we predicted this, that this was going to happen. Uh, I think Charlotte's going to be a different city. I think when you're talking about 2040, we're getting browner by the day. That's why MLS soccer was a great fit for us. We still going to have more international companies relocating to Charlotte. And so I just think from RJ Lee's perspective, we're going to continue to grow, hire talent, develop talent, develop people. You, you know, if you measure yourself, Jeff, I had to measure this. We probably operate at about a, a five now. At the end of the year, we operate about, probably at a seven, by 2040, though. I see Laura down on the front cover, Black Enterprise, and they say, here's a success story. This is how you do it intentionally. Not by accident, but you plan, you, you know, you make the right changes, you pivot when you had to. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's really our faces on the front cover, but it's really about our story that we hope will excite people. And the thing I'll just add there, Jeff, is um, James alluded to, you know, we're looking to build our headquarters. One of the key things for us that we're actually going into our own communities and looking to develop our headquarters um, versus being, you know, in the financial district in uptown Charlotte, looking at where the black and brown communities are because we're invested in those communities. Therefore, we should call our home in one of those communities. Well, thank you both for your time today. It's been a pleasure. No, well, thank you, Jeff. And, uh, and especially UNC Charlotte, you know, it's been a university that's done a lot for this community. And we appreciate you all allowing us to come on and talk about uh, Bright Hope and RJ Leeper. Thank you, Jeff. We would love to come out and spend some time with the students in the classroom once this pandemic is over. For more on Bright Hope Capital, visit our website at beltcollege.uncc.edu slash buzz. While you're there, check out previous episodes and tell us how we're doing by completing our survey. This is Charlotte Business Buzz, connecting Charlotte business through one-on-one interviews with UNC Charlotte faculty, staff, alumni, and industry partners. Presented by the Belt College of Business and produced in association with University Communications.